just a friendly reminder, if you like this podcast, you will definitely enjoy our Discord community. You can sign up at MajorDomoMedia.com. There's a link that will take you to a whole host of topics, how to eat better, cook better, watch TV better, live your life a little bit more deliciously. Uh, go check out our Discord channel. And if you're a fan of all Momofuku stuff, go visit shop.momofuku.com for all the Momofuku pantry items, the chili crunch, the salts, the spices. If you're close to a Target or Whole Foods, we're available nationwide uh, with our noodles, our air-dried noodles, delicious, delicious. Yeah, let's get on to the show. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs, scrambled, over-easy, or sunny-side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit-free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit-free. This episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Iced Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea that we have here at the Spotify Studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Visit Amazon.com slash Pure Leaf and enter 20 Pure Leaf. That's 20 Pure Leaf for 20% off your purchase of new Pure Leaf Blackberry Iced Tea. Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Dominion Media. Um, this is a different podcast. I'm sitting in front of the one and only Chris Ying, uh, who has officially moved to Los Angeles. We haven't done an in-person one like this in quite some time. I think that in the entire time we've been doing this, we've done like three in person. Yeah. Yeah, it feels, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's a little weird. And doing this uh, with another person is a whole different ballgame versus doing it by yourself or in front of Zoom. But as the world gets back online, I think this is going to be the norm, especially we'll probably have a more permanent place to do these things without revealing too much. Sorry, Noel. But um, I wanted to give start off with a public service announcement. Chris Ying, have you signed up for pre-TSA? My, my subscription has lapsed and I have forgotten to renew it. Genuinely. Genuinely, I found myself at the airport without the little TSA pre-check and... Uh, Man, I had a really unsightly anger at the people who are in the normie line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not fun being in that one. I mean, if you haven't been to the airport recently, no matter where you are, it is a clusterfuck of, of traffic, of people, of ineptitude across the board. <laughs> it's very hard to get through security. Yet, pre-TSA lines, it's like an easy pass, almost. Anyway, I was flying to Gloucester, Massachusetts, and I almost missed my flight from LAX because, lo and behold, I didn't understand why I got rejected at Free TSA. <laughs> so this is just a friendly reminder. This is probably the best service announcement we've ever given anybody. Yeah. Except like voting for the Democratic Party. <laughs> yeah. Do yourself a favor. Go online. Go to whatever the website is. I don't even know because I missed, the, missed it. <laughs> what I do know is you can check your status. If you haven't signed up for a pre-TSA, you should. If you like to save time and not be bothered with just like 
the folly of humanity. Good God, the folly of humanity. Right? Like, you see just the reason why an alien race will eliminate us. I mean, can we talk about that for one second? Because my wife gets upset at me because I'm in line just, like, muttering, losing my shit about, like, what the person in front of me is doing, how long they're taking to, like, put their bags in the tray. And she's just like, I understand it's an uns- it's not it's not a good look to be this angry, but it's also like an unnatural position to be put in. No, it's okay to get angry. Um, I do it all in my head with a smile <laughs> because I <laughs> listen. Some people may be new to travel. It's not. I I, I don't mind that. I just I'm not going to talk shit about that. Anyway, I it was a 7 a.m. flight. I got to the airport at 6:20. Because you're Flight used to the- six thirty, <laughs> and I know uh, that I can zoom right through. Because uh, I've also signed up for Clear. <sighs> Not going to be a problem. Not mm-hmm. going to be a problem. Became a big problem <laughs> when I got diverted from the pre TSA line. That's a bad feeling. That's got to be a bad feeling. It was a bad feeling. <laughs> I mean, if this is anything like the pearly gates of heaven, maybe I should just repent now because it was a fucking shit feeling (laughs) and then i looked at what was ahead of me just nobody in front of me versus Mm -hmm. like the gates of hell almost Mm -hmm. just lines of people droning about sinners very similar to the uh if you ever saw the great the best tom hanks movie of all time you know know what the great greatest tom hanks movie of all time is joe versus the volcano when he's lining up to go to work and he's like oh fuck that kind of line that sign of soul suckingness of life type of thing I saw that and I was like, oh shit, what, ha- what has happened? This must be a mistake. I like how it was, it reminded you of Joe versus Volcano, but not the terminal when he's stuck in the airport for like <laughs> nine months. Sure, sure. But yeah, you're, you're, that you're movie made too much sense. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I just want to give everyone a reminder just to do it. If you do travel, it is a huge boon to s- shaving massive amounts of time and sanity. And I had to be one of those assholes. Um, oh, you went to the front and said, I, I'm sorry. I, I gotta go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm please. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. And here's the thing. Nobody let me through. <laughs> nobody let nobody really let me through. Cause they're just like, get in line, motherfucker. You were Garth trying to get through the mosh pit. You know? Yeah. So anyway, what I found out was more infuriating. If I had just sent in a form online, which is what I'm recommending you guys all to do. You can extend a grace period by 24 months. Wait, wait. <laughs> that's like half the term of the I know. full thing. That's amazing. I know. They're a little backed up right now. That's amazing. So just renew it if you're like a month to go. So check it online and it'll tell you expires in two months, expires in six months. Here's the thing. If you let it expire, you effectively are like reapplying for U.S. citizenship. Yeah, you don't want to let a lapse. You are delisted. I'm telling you guys right now, if you haven't traveled in quite some time, you probably let it lapse. Yeah, you're fucked. If you let it lapse, you're fucked. But if you haven't, send in your renewal right now. I would totally follow an Instagram account that was just like random reminders of things you might have forgotten random to reminders. do. Just like- maybe that's a new new. Um, <laughs> we should sign that up right now. We should sign up. We should make a social media account that is just like, hey, when's your mom's birthday again? Hey, did you review your TSA pre-check? Just like any little thing you might have forgotten. So this is the other public sort of tip. I have talked about my love of air tags. Yeah. 
dumb, dumb me on the way home, forgot his bag. Forgot your bag. I sat down in an airport terminal because <laughs> I got there so fucking early, leaving from Logan. I got there so early where Chris Ying, I mean, uh, Chris Chen and Noel went to the casino that I would have been able to go to had I had a pre-TSA check, I could have wasted an, at least an hour. I had to get an hour. Now I have to add a minimum an hour to getting in. So instead of being able to have some leisurely fun, I had to get an hour earlier, uh-huh. right? Literally two hours ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And because I had so much time, I sat down in a chair and I got up. And by the time I got to the fucking... Uh, airplane, uh-huh. I realized, oh my God, I don't, thankfully, I actually didn't enter the fucking plane. Oh my God, I left my, fu- where's my back? That's insane. Where's my back, my carry on back? Then this is a little bit like Memento, where dumb, dumb me speaks to a smart version of me in the future and says, hey, dumb, dumb, we know that you're stupid as fuck. That's why <laughs> we put air tags in everything that you own uh-huh. from your keys. To your wallet, uh-huh. to all of your bags, and I thank my future smart self. So I don't have them. They're mm-hmm. just like little GPS things, mm-hmm. and you can like beep yeah. It's, it and, I mean, the negative is people are using to stock. It's like a stalker's wet dream. Oh, it's like oh, it's like yeah. Spider Man throwing a little tra- tracer on yeah. his like love yeah. or something. That's insane. But like now, I can just find my fucking thing. Oh, so it's turning everything you own into like find my iPhone. Yeah, basically. it's awesome. Whoa. And and I was able to find the person that had it. Which, and was which was like, it to security. Was a good Samaritan had, yeah, had yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 But, but um Whoa. it's it's assisted living for stupid people like me. And if you're a listener and you don't want to admit it, but you also stupid like me, I highly recommend you give Apple more money. <laughs> and more information about where all your shit is at any given time. It's true. Before I want to get there, I wanted to get a shout out because I'm headed to New York for work, uh, doing the American Express Momofuku Noodle on tour. And I want to talk a little bit about Gloucester in a second. Not a little bit, a whole lot. Most of this podcast is going to be about Gloucester and lobster rolls and such. But um, I'm headed there. I want to give a shout out to the team at, how would you pronounce this? C-L-A-U-D. Cloud. Claude? C-L-A-U-D. Cloud. 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 Anyway, I don't have the exact pronunciation. Even if I did, my inability to pronounce anything perfectly would fuck it up. But um, it's a restaurant that is owned and operated by Josh Pinsky, Chase, uh, I think Hargrave's there, and Nick. There's a bunch of Momofuku alumni in the East Village. They opened up about a month ago. I'm excited. Hopefully, I'll have the time to check it out. But if you are in New York or not and visiting, check that restaurant out. I'm excited to see, hopefully I get to go to the farmer's market, uh, very different than the stuff in Southern California. Uh, I want to see Rick Bishop. I want to try one of his TriStar strawberries, which are actually originated, I believe, in the West Coast. And the reason why they're so good is because you need cold weather and warm weather simultaneously. You know, I just have these relationships with these farmers and I haven't seen them since the pandemic, really. I mean, how long have you been eating Rick Bishop TriStar strawberries? Come on, like that's since 2000 it's insane it's insane it's so crazy i mean but i also love that like small farmer is just like making it happen Um, rick bishop is a god i love him um and you'll see him big 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 burly man with the mustache (laughs) with like dainty beautiful strawberries um and lots of potatoes and 
you know, Noodle Bar on 171 First Avenue, not our first location, but really our first location is reopen. Um, and that's where we're doing the Noodle Bar on tour. And I haven't been there since it reopened. It's been closed for about nine, 10 months because we were doing a refurb of all the the plumbing, the electricity, a lot of fucking work. So um, excited to see Eugene, Pablo, the whole team there and, and, and make it up to the Columbus Circle as well and just try to make the rounds and see everybody in New York. But it's 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 harder going to cities and not spending enough time there to see things in your friends, mainly because I always have to get back now because of the mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. It would be a longer trip. I was just in Boston. I'm sorry to Boston friends, but I was there for not long and I was in Gloucester, Mass for the most part. The other thing I want to talk about, speaking of green market, is I've been cooking a lot of different things this summer or eating different things from the green market. One is the Jimmy Nardello pepper. Have you ever had such a thing? I'm so curious about where you're going to go with this. I've had the Jimmy Nardello and I know there are super fans. I'm curious about where you're going to, what you're going to say about it. The first time I ever ate it was at Nancy Silverton's restaurants, Moza and uh, Chispaca. And I was like, wow, that's delicious. I don't know what it is. I don't know who Jimmy Nardello is. <laughs> but it's Jim- a fucking great name. <laughs> a great name. Truly one of the great names. Do they sell Jimmy Nardello in the Bay Area? We get some Jimmy Nards up there, yeah. I would buy anything from Jimmy Nardello. <laughs> I don't know if Jimmy Nardello is a is a farmer, a cook. A mafioso. Mafioso. <laughs> no idea who Jimmy Nardello is, but fuck, I love saying that name. Jimmy Nardello. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't think it's available on the East Coast, but I could be wrong. Mm-mm. Jimmy Nardello is a pepper. Yeah. Like a, a long, pepper. wrinkly, yeah. mild, not spicy. It's like a long, what, what, what like the East Coast would they know, like shishito peppers, like sort of in the same family yeah, of I edible. I think it's in the Anaheim family. Yeah. I have no idea where it came from. Clearly, it originated in 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 South America, most likely. Um, but I don't know. It could be Italian. I have no idea. I haven't done any research <laughs> on this. I just wanted to say, this is the first time I've ever cooked them at home. Mm-hmm. What have you been doing? Delicious. Mm. So delicious. I've really become a fig on a plate. <laughs> just simply prepared. Simply a prepared. EVO. <laughs> and salt. That's it. Legit, right? Legit. I'm like, <sighs> but at least I cooked it, motherfuckers. <laughs> at least I cooked it. At least I turned them around to get different bits of char on them. Um, they're fantastic, man. Mm. It's so sweet. I remember having a pepper similar to that in Kyoto, but they were much smaller. And he let them sort of the farmer dry on uh, on the vine, and he was aging them in the winter. And this is from a farmer that was a thirteenth generation farmer. <laughs> right, right. A thousand years of fucking farming. <laughs> he, you know, right. it's amazing what they know there. So like, I've had a f- similar flavor, and I never put two and two together that like. That's what it reminded me of. But um, if you see it on a restaurant menu, just get it. It's a pepper. Mm-hmm. The only thing that could be, remind me of it a little bit was ahi dolce peppers, which are the scotch bonnet that have the heat removed. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Mm. I love it. And you're just like popping them in just on the side of whatever. Yeah. Interesting. Inspired by... Wow, this is, that's like the last, I, I really thought it could be gone either I'm way. I'm serving it raw. <laughs> I'm washing them. It's several steps. I'm drying them. 
<laughs> I'm coating them liberally in oil. Uh huh. Then I'm grilling them. Listen, it's okay, man. You're and all about trying them around. You're all about that California cuisine. We know. Um, but what, one dish that I made the other day, and we need to do a longer topic about this in terms of fish uh, cooking, because I am now fed up with buying fresh fish in grocery stores. I've had it. I'm sick of it. Mm-hmm. I only buy frozen or um, bacalao because I think that's maybe the freshest, best fish. Mm-hmm. The thing that's been, you know. The thing you know is edible. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I had some frozen cod, defrosted three fillets. In a pan with the lid, I sauteed some garlic, some onions, one potato, peeled thin, sliced uh, sprig of thyme. Then I chopped up the Nar- Jimmy Nardello peppers like an inch. I've never done that before because I've always eaten them whole. That was a like a big moment for me. <laughs> and manipulating the food, right. changing the shape. Right. What else? I added some cumin. No, no, cumin. Uh, that would never happen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> paprika, uh-huh. sweet paprika. Uh-huh. So it was a little bit of like a piperad Basque type style mm-hmm. dish. And then I cooked that till the potatoes were tender. I put some savory salt. I'm out of savory salt, so I had to add some more salt and pepper. Uh, Ryan Healy, I need a re-up on salt, savory salt. Did you say a liquid? Is there a liquid? Did you say what liquid you put in? Cooking liquid? Anything? Uh, no, no liquid. Oh, just potatoes and saute veg and a lot and of a lot of extra virgin oh. olive oil. Okay. Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Liquid is fat. Got liquid. it. Um, well, not that much because like once it's cooked down. But the reason why I didn't have to add liquid is this: I, once you add the frozen cod, it has a lot mm. more liquid in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ext- you know. The fish I'll just juice. say it pisses out water, right? <laughs> and I season that. Mm. But once that was cooked, and I'm cooking over medium high heat, I put the lid on it, mm-hmm. and I made this at 9:30 in the morning, mm-hmm. and I let it sit for an hour and a half. Uh-huh. And magic, hell yeah, it was perfect, mm-hmm. perfect. And I'm going to use the, the the French term cuisson was perfect. The cuisson was perfect. It was delicious, and the the peppers excreted some kind of sweetness mm. and it was so fucking good it was mm-hmm. one of the best things i've made in a long time and it's all because of this fucking jimmy nardello pepper you know it's changing my my world view oh my god oh my god all right so in the i'm guessing donabe no i did it in a um what's it called not stab i hate stab um um, uh, Le Creuset flat mm-hmm. one with the oh, like the, the little yeah, brazier yeah. thing yeah, yeah. Okay, okay okay i broke i broke one of my donabes so I got to do it, but I got to re-up on a bunch of any days and this other thing that we'll talk about one day later. Very soon. Wait, so you, so you cooked it and then just left it at room. At, at, Put oh. it on the counter. And here's an important thing. By the time it was served, it was like a hot summer day temp. Yeah. Right? Like just if you left it there for three hours, four hours, foodborne illness. Sure. But the, the golden window. Golden window. It's almost, again, the magic hour in film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The magic hour where it's, it's, um, it's the first, it's, you know how it's like extra virgin, like the first pressing. It's the first cooling of the right, food. Right, right, right. It's some le- level of thermodynamics that I don't understand. It, I think sublimation is the word in physics. Sure, sublimation. Right? Sure. Between water and frozen. But this is in terms of temperature where you taste it and you're like, that's not fucking hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely not cold either, and it's not lukewarm. I don't know what the fuck it is. Right. But it's whatever the temperature is, it's making the food taste really fucking good. It's actually only, if you think about it this way, it's actually only really achievable on that first cooling. 
Because if you try to reheat from cold, mm-hmm. you don't get a uniform temperature of what you're talking about. Some stuff's hot, some stuff's yeah. cold. It's a it's a magical temperature. It's only it's the only way Stanley Kubrick ate his food. <laughs> Terrence Malick too, right? True just, auteurs, no, you can only get it once. The magic hour. Everything has to be consumed at that perfect moment. But the fact is, I was laughing because it, it's true. Like I never would have done that because when I cook something at home or even sometimes at a restaurant, you're not totally aware of. Even though you want it to be piping hot because you know it's going to get cold from the past to the restaurant diner, it's very hard almost impossible to determine the exact temp mm-hmm. of something. It's mm-hmm. very hard. In any restaurant, I don't give a shit, unless you're a sushi chef, mm-hmm. where it matters. Body heat, all that shit matters. Anywhere else, mm-hmm. I think it's really hard of knowing, or unless it's also cooked table side. I guess there's some exceptions to the rule with big cuts of meat, but even still, there's a lag where most of the time you're trying to get an exact temperature, and it's hard. It's just difficult to nail. Anyway, I was like laughing to myself because I was like, I can't believe that I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about this because of the Jimmy Nardello pepper, but how wonderful it is to taste something that if I served that at 930 or when I just cooked it, it would have tasted okay, good, Yeah. but something magical happened. More of the liquids came out. It's sort of, it's a little bit like a pill pill sauce, right? Mm-hmm. Where some of that just starts to emulsify. Magic happens mm-hmm. when that magic happens when I don't understand the science. <laughs> it's science, but if you don't understand it, it's magic. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I was like, wow, I wanted to think about all these other foods. What other things taste delicious? But then you think, well, coffee is that way. We can talk about that in a little bit. Wine, a lot of beverages, but mm. we don't talk about food in the perfect temperature either. Mm-hmm. We do in terms of the temp of the meat. Right. That's like doneness. We're talking doneness. about actual temperature on your on your tongue. Yeah. It, it's, it dawned on me. This is worthy of just a little bit talking about. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't have developed. It bloomed. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a good word. Bloomed. It bloomed. It bloomed in a way that I wasn't anticipating. Uh-huh. And using, again, frozen cod, the whole thing tasted great. And mm. those are all the ingredients I used uh, that I mentioned. And I was like, oh, it happened because I just let it sit there. Again, the only restaurant that I knew that would serve things room temp is Chabreo in Florence. Serving things room temp is more of a European thing, mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. of an Asian thing, too. We don't ever talk about this because otherwise, because well, because it's hard, right? Because like you said, it's like you can serve things cold. Great, I know how to do things cold. It's not room temp either. It's not room temp. You know how to do room temp. You can do blazing hot, like a ramen shop can just put it right in front of you, straight out of the out of the boiler. That's a different thing. But like the in between temp, you know, what it makes me think of sometimes is like so often you go to a restaurant and like the waiter comes by, and I know I know what you do when this happens, but like you know the server comes and says, "Careful, plate's really, really is ripping hot. Don't touch the plate." <laughs> I know that your first reaction is obviously to touch the plate, but like, that's not what they're aiming for. I don't want to do it because it's more like, I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hot I'm you. I'm the captain now. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the captain now. <laughs> I'm the server when now. I'm, when I'm holding the hot plate with my bare hands, my asbestos <laughs> hands, I'm the captain now. Looking up at him. But like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, an ultra ripping hot plate that is like not what you want your customer to touch is not the uh, is not the goal. That's just it. Like sat in the oven too long, the plate warmer too long, or it's the bottom plate. Whatever, hitting any temperature between blazing hot and room temp right. is hard. Again, this happens on cheese. You really want a lot. Some of your like stinky cheeses or just variety of cheeses to be out for like hours on end. Mm-hmm. But it's a level of thinking about food that it dawned on me that I never really have thought about at all. I thought about it in the most basic levels. 
And it's a, I don't even have the terminology to describe it because it's not. Yeah, because food temperature is not really what we're talking about. That's already occupied by something. It is food temperature, but it's not. Mm-hmm. That's what I was like. How the fuck do you even talk about this? It's like serving temp. It's like the serving eating temp. eating temperature. That's what it is. We've just discovered <laughs> eating climate. It's, the it's like discovering temp- a new universe, <laughs> uh, right? The it web a- telescope discovering things out. It, it you know it's right. coinciding with these new discoveries. With the eating temperature of things. Yeah, you have the drinking temperature of coffee and wine, mm-hmm. but we don't talk about the eating temperature. It's true. I mean, because in general, like you prefer, like you, you, yeah, you, you just like serve I mean, you hot. Get it with, you get it with ice cream, right? For anyone listening, like I don't know what these numbskulls are fucking talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's ice cream, right? It's the ideal eating temperature of ice cream is not straight out of the freezer when it's too hard. It's in between where it's like this, softened a little bit, but it's not melted. I don't know if it's the right word, but the sublimation. <laughs> not again with the sublimation. <laughs> It's the sublimation temperature. Yeah. That's what it is. Ice cream is the best example if you don't know what you're talking about. Like, I think the cod thing is hard you know for people to grok. it would be to serve that temperature ice cream at that state to people? It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You can only do that by yourself at home. Yeah. Because you're just like, I'm going to let this sit on the counter for exactly I'm as many so minutes. Stone, I, I can't <laughs> even think about it. It's like, I don't I know why I- this tastes so good. Oh my God. Well, it's because you scooped it for yourself into a bowl and you forgot about it for seven minutes. And you're like, didn't I scoop some ice cream somewhere? <laughs> um, so that, that, that's a big thing. And even like gelato, why I like gelato more mm. is because it's served at a more eating temperature where ice cream is served more mm. as a distribution temperature. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I'm thinking about Antico restaurant by uh, Chad Colby in LA. Fantastic. His ice cream, I think, is it's not even ice cream. It's like a mix between ice cream and gelato. And mm. they, it's like almost they joke like it's gourmet stone uh, uh, st- ice. I, what's that where they chop up the fucking ice cream in front of you? Cold, stone cold, cold stone. Cold stone. Never been there. And the temperature is what makes it so remarkable. Interesting. And I'm thinking more and more that the new discovery for me is finding the right eating temperature of foods. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But it's interesting because like with with both of those cases, something else, like it's a sublimation. You're right. Because like, it's not just about the ice cream feels colder in my mouth. It's that at the right temperature, it's become the right texture. And with like your cod dish, it's not just because it's like hotter versus slightly less hot. It's because something else happened at that temperature. It became better. Definition. Sublimation is a transition of a substance directly from a solid state to a gas state. Right. It does not pass through the usual liquid state. And only occurs at specific temperatures and pressures. This so I think you're wrong, whoever wrote that. Because <laughs> it's wrong. not, there's a new state, the, the solid food state. It's the sublime state. Yeah. Yeah. It's sublime, not sublimation. We knew what we were talking about. <laughs> sublimation. We got the word right. We got the definition completely wrong. No, we did it. It's a phase change from, what I don't know, what, what is an example of, oh, it's like, uh, um, it's like liquid nitrogen, or it's, sorry, it's like dry ice sublimates it goes from solid to gas Well, listen even if we got it wrong <laughs> it's like when somebody in the wilderness discovers an animal species that doesn't exist they get a fucking name it <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you want we're we decide- naming this the, the sublimation of food i mean you could basically do the, to the word sublimation what you did to the idea of a bosom you can just yeah. convince people this is what it means sublimation <laughs> This is how Scientology got invented. Right. Because it, <laughs> someone was playing Dungeons and Dragons and they got it all fucking wrong. It's uh, literally how Scientology got invented because like scientists were like, wait, 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 wait. We already ha- have something called science. And they're like, no, no, no. We're calling science something else now.
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit-free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit-free. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Anyway, guys, I went to Gloucester and I want to talk about Lobster shacks, seafood mm-hmm. shacks. Was in Gloucester because we were doing some work with Cometeer and their new facility. Gloucester, Mass, beautiful. I, I went to school in New England. I spent a lot of time there. I love it very much, except for the sports teams, even though I love Bill Belichick. <laughs> and for 48 hours being in Gloucester, Mass, beautiful temperature. The heat broke. It was awesome. Um, I ate so much fried fish and lobster rolls. Besides drinking amazing coffee. And before I even get to the lobster rolls, I wanted to say we're going to have to figure out how to do a taste test mm. with commodity, commodity coffee versus good coffee mm. and the stuff that, that some of the farmers that Cometeer works with. I've never had a taste test. You are a changed man. A little bit like, you know, Saul turning into the boss of Paul. <laughs> a little bit, I guess. <laughs> you're, bit. But you're like... This is, this is, all right, we'll tell, tell, like, we can do that taste test, but like, you were convinced. I'm also going to, with (laughs) some training, I'm going to try to become a coffee taster and to be able to judge out of 100 points, the, 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 like they do wine. And I want to do this without doing any work, any training. (laughs) This reminds me of your earlier last summer's effort to become a perfect sourdough baker with (laughs) no measurements and no experimentation. Well, this one, I feel a little bit more optimism about. I had some extremely good coffee there. And the reason I wanted to talk just about the taste, because we can't really talk about everything else right now, besides I had so much fucking coffee, delicious things. Again, excited to work with them. This was a moment where I thought about that these moments in food or culture where I'm like, oh, my understanding of it is only this way because you only know what you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not really like the hedonistic bump, but it has more to do with the forces of marketing, more to do with things that people say, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's not. Most people are drinking bad coffee. Mm-hmm. Come on. I still drink it. I will always still drink it because like, I like the caffeine and, and it tastes really good with sugar and, and milk mm-hmm. or milk alternative. But when you taste it on its own, I had never done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. Good beer versus bad beer, that doesn't really work. It doesn't really have the same thing No, like we're me. talking about, it's like more like a tea. It tastes good more wine like- versus bad wine. I still like the good <laughs> wine and I still like the bad coffee, but 
the difference is, is there is a whole to me context and understanding of good in mm. in in good versus commodity. You know, fancy hamburger, not a fancy hamburger. Like it feels mm-hmm. to me that there's a world of understanding. And I love going down these rabbit holes, whether it's like MSG or like changing people's understandings of it, because the idea of how they market the 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 commodity big coffee brands, bold flavor, dark, dark rich. Roast. Yeah. Did you know this shit? Mm-hmm. You've always known this. I lived in the Bay Area during the peak of third wave coffee coming up. I've heard. I'm just. I'm just looking. I'm. Just, what's baffling to me. What's amazing to me is that like it's happening to you. I'm watching what happened to so people happen to you. Like you're becoming the evangelist for it. It's yeah. crazy. But I, here's the thing. I don't give a fuck about the waves. I don't even know what. <laughs> I mean, I know we talked to George Howell, but like, I, I, it's not about that. Even even about coffee. But it's about these pockets in food culture. It happens clearly throughout culture in variety of ways, where you're like. Oh, my understanding of something is based on not a lie, but on someone else's mm-hmm. intentional shaping of the world, mm-hmm. or like what the like them them assigning values to certain attributes. Like to your point, you're saying like dark, rich, robust. Robust is always the, the word, right? Like you think of those as good coffee because. They've been put on robust. I was like, robust. I think I talked about this on like a recipe club recently, but like somebody like there was a a yogurt that said, like, we use four cups of milk for every cup of this yogurt. And like that's being advertised. And I was like, but if you sit down and think about that, that's bad. <laughs> like you don't want that. But it's just been marketed as a positive. So for me, where I had like an aha moment, these aha moments are when I was in Japan and I was making miso in Kyoto, shiro miso. And I was like, oh, this is this way because they're using way less salt. Mm. When you're, when I was learning a lot about fermentation now, Jesus, so many years ago, you know, based without going to the in-depth of it, of it all, but the more salt you add to a microbial activity like fermentation, you can still get fermentation but you're controlling the environment. So it's mm-hmm. easier to make. You have way more variables if you lower the salt in the, in the environment that whatever you're, you're, you're making is in, if it's a lower salt content. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get more terroir. You get more flavor. But it's harder to make. It's trickier, yeah. It's trickier. Yeah. When you taste, even though it's changed a little bit, for the most part, most of the fermented miso products you get in America is still just salt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's still good. I, you know, it's shit that I have in my fridge. You know, if, if your fridge, like it is what it is. It's just there. Mm-hmm. But like, because there's no other real alternatives, right? And that's why we started making our own stuff. Um, I felt that we were sort of at the forefront of that with Noma and everything. Mm-hmm. But like that's really hard to scale commercially at that level, and I don't know if it could ever be done commercially because you cannot scale it if you lower the salt content. Yeah, for so the facts. very reason you're saying is like it's hard. It could, you you you're not eliminating all the bacteria versus like via salt. And if you tasted low salt level shiro miso, mm-hmm. it's like an everlasting gobstopper in Willy Wonka, like wow. that type of like what the fuck? Wow, you're like orange. It's just changing. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that was a holy fuck moment. A holy fuck moment was like, I always use this. Oh, this is my first orange squeeze or a fresh squeeze orange juice. Like, what? Right. If you only knew concentrate orange juice as your orange juice, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. You know? Is the Shiro Misa like gobstopper effect? Do you think it's because both because lower salt, like you said, you get more terroir, you're like more thing, more activity in the product, but also because like you don't have as much salt to blow out your palate when you're I tasting it? I think it's it? a mixture of both, yeah. but it really is. 
you have more microbial activity happening because more shit is growing in there. More flavor yeah. molecules. Salt are being is basically produced. preventing the growth of other things. Yeah. Right. That's just the reality. More salt means easier to control and uh, more monotone in, in, in notes and flavor. And again, it doesn't mean that it can't be useful or delicious. And that to me, it wasn't even about the coffee. And I, I've been drinking a lot of better, and I've always liked good coffee. I just am never going to make that shit at home. I'm not patient enough, which is why. Mm-hmm. I like Cometeer. It's amazing. It's why I, I drink a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And I want people to understand that you can be lazy and still have it. But there's a thread in all of this that I'm excited about because it was like, oh, this isn't even le- it's less about the coffee and more about the principle of it all. I was like, right. I didn't know that. Right. Well, it's a lot like what you were just talking about with your cod dish and the temperature thing where it's like, I think in the coffee world, it was like you roast beans dark. That's what you do until they're dark. Until someone said, what if I roast them like a little less dark? The same thing with like the cod. It's like you serve food hot. What if I let it sit for a little longer and don't serve it quite as hot? But here's the thing. It's not that I didn't know. And it's not like I can still have this aha moment at my age in my, my years of being in this business because of certain simple things that I hadn't done before. I never. When you drink good coffee, you know what is never fucking there? Shitty coffee. <laughs> right. It just is never there because I would never to my friends that are baristas or coffee roasters. Here's a cup of Pete's. Yeah, that's interesting. The side by side is not really something anybody and, and ever I know does. It's a simple concept, but people do it mm-hmm. in their head. They don't actually do it. Again, this is like editing in your head type mm-hmm, of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So again, I'm just saying I've been in coffee tastings where I've done all kinds of tastings, but you rarely ever bring that diversity of something else that is the right. end of it. Right. And I tasted that. And I was like, what the fuck? Right. But again, it's not me belittling something that most people drink. I can drink a fucking shitty Chardonnay that's $2.99, you know, as much as I want a fucking Ravenau, Chablis, whatever. It's just the same to me in the sense of like my enjoyment. Right. But like, I know it. But if I taste it between the two, I'm drinking them under different circumstances. You know what I mean? Right. One's like a celebratory, wow, achievements in humanity. The other one is give me the caffeine or I want sugar and I want something tasty and frozen i'm eating with a donut or i'm hiding a cigarette you know something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you know it's it's just whatever they're your moments so like i can drink that but i was drinking this and i was like oh shit now it all makes sense to me it's really interesting because like there are so many different reasons why you would never have an opportunity to taste them like nobody's in nobody's invested in letting you taste the shitty next to the fine like why would anybody ever let you do that and, you know, I learned so much on this trip with George and Ben and the whole team there. Like, I had no idea that a lot of coffee was like, it is drinking like, if I make dashi like a tea, it's like some of that coffee is a little bit like a tea. I had an idea too, and I'll share another day about maybe serving it with dim sum. Um, hmm. Because there was an influence around the 15th century with coffee and tea hmm. and a lot of practices from tea from China infiltrating how the Europeans drank coffee today. But some of these geisha coffees, I'll be honest, I don't even know why it's called geisha. And it has nothing to do with why I would think it's called a geisha. Uh, you know, I have no idea. But you're drinking, you know, I'm drinking with people that like are like some of the best tasters in the world. Literally, their job is for their fucking impeccable palate. And I was like, whatever, I'm not going to be able to know what they know. But it's amazing to be able to be like, oh, I don't get all the, the chart notes. But I'm tasting this and I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. if you spend the time to sort of be present and you're tasting it, I was like, that is remarkable. Holy fuck. And then you change it at different temperatures and you do this. I, 
as much as I was in the moment making fun of it, in retrospect, I was like, this is what I need to do a little bit more of is tasting things, being present for what you are eating and not taking, um, not eliminating or not even sort of being, being aware that all these little things that can happen mm-hmm. could have huge impact mm-hmm. on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, and, and, I mean, spending more time tasting, tasting for sure, but also I guess just like, like to your like again, bringing it back to that cod thing, just being open to like, I should taste this at this temperature and see what happens. So I'm, I'm now starting the fourth wave of coffee. I don't know what it is. Good God. The sublimation wave. <laughs> Where you just inhale your coffee. Um, no, it, it, and that's why it was less about the coffee and more like there's moments. I always use this as a benchmark and I've always tried to find it. But if you go the, I think it was the 1940s or 50s Life magazine, Wrigley's gum was celebrating artificial flavor. Hmm. Right? It was just invented. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if you think about that, it's like, whoa, look at what we just did. We figured out how to create the flavor of fruits mm-hmm. without using any of the fucking fruit. Mm-hmm. Look at man triumphant. We're celebrating this, <laughs> and now you can get it in a piece of gum. Right. Right. Like, you're celebrating it. Now, if you put that in a magazine ad, people are like, well, that's GMO, and uh-huh. it's a fucking artificial, <laughs> fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. It's just funny how things change, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. And we're just sort of stuck. It's hard to separate what you know from what you've been told. And I'm not saying don't drink fucking shitty coffee. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop drinking shitty coffee. I'm going to drink more good coffee. But it's just nice to know that there is a distinct difference. And the reason is there isn't a difference in most people is because they don't want you know. It's almost a little bit like big tobacco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, where like it's good, you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with now everything's changed in terms of the perception of smoking, then most people don't. Right. But that takes time and awareness and people talking about it. But most coffee that's being consumed now is dark roasted, robust, bold flavor with sugar and milk. And I got to say, when it's with sugar and milk, delicious, it's fucking delicious. Caramel, you know, that bitterness works, but on its own, again, like, I, I don't know. Anyway, that's where I was at. Well, this is what George was saying to us too, right? If you if you care about coffee farmers, then you drink it black, because like good coffee from good farmers tastes good that way. But yeah, I'm I'm. This is amazing to me that you've uh, you've undergone this the sublimation wave, the fourth wave. <laughs> you've you've been sublimed. You've sublimated. It's amazing. I think sublime and sublimation are two distinct different things, Chris Yang. I know they are, but we keep on using sublimation incorrectly. I'm talking about sublime the band, by the way. <laughs> The third, the third thing. I don't think anybody has said a word as much as they have in this podcast without a, a proper understanding of it. <laughs> well, like no one has ever learned the meaning of a word midway through and continue to misuse <laughs> it, knowingly continue to misuse it. Um, but I wanted to go back to spending time in New England. Um, one of my favorite things to do in Connecticut, besides whatever I did as a young person. <laughs> You know, I was introduced to a lot of things. I never had a lobster roll in my life till I was in college, mm. right? And I was always like, oh. And then, you know, a lot of my friends lived in Connecticut. A lot of my friends lived in Maine and, and or they would have like house, you know, it just, it was a way of living. I was like, people have, again, people have summer homes, summer homes, like what the fuck? Right. 
Where do you summer? I remember. I'll never forget that. Where do you summer? I was like, <laughs> you're like the fuck. You're like summer's a season, summer not a verb. Is my home? <laughs> Are you talking about? Yeah, that's a noun, dude. <laughs> you can't summer. What do you? Uh, I still have a hard time understanding what the fuck that is. You mean you have more than one home? <laughs> what? <laughs> you live by the seasons? <laughs> what the fuck? Um, but the fact that these that were seasonal restaurants along the shore, Connecticut especially, and they're not all there. And I can't remember the names of all of them. Um, I'll never forget the one in Maine, Lobster in the Rough. I don't even know. It just sounds so fucking good. But some of the best ones aren't even on the water. But again, close to it enough. I love that fucking food. I love eating that. I think it's the it, it, it pulls on the same sort of string uh, when I eat crawfish in the south, all the way in Louisiana to, to Houston or... Uh, Blue crabs in the Mid Atlantic, or Dungeness, or crawfish in China, or chili crab. That that sense, even though I'm eating it in an American way, in a New England way, it's hmm. not as messy. It's not whatever. I just think there's that communal act of everyone ordering the same thing. Something that is also like mm-hmm. a precious thing, you know, a seasonal thing. It. Yeah, like yeah, it's one of my favorite things. I yeah. love that shit. Do you think that? So you just you said like, oh, some of them aren't even on the water. Do you think? proximity to the water is like a vibe thing or do you think it legitimately has to do with the quality of the food coming in actually i do think it has a legitimate to do with the quality but it doesn't mean that it is or it isn't in the sense that you can t- i think and you can tell when things are coming from their own boats right right right. you know right, what i mean right. yeah and i think that's all that matters and you can tell some of it from the price but also the operation mm-hmm. but again i don't know i'm not an expert i could be one of those dumb dumbs that say the sushi restaurant's so good because it's so close to the water. I mean, I could be the equivalent, but I don't think I'm that stupid here. <laughs> I think there's more of a direct connection in this case. Yeah. Because like, if I see, I was at a restaurant in Gloucester and I saw I, the name of the restaurant was on the name of the boat with <laughs> fishing equipment on it. That was tied to right next to the fucking restaurant. I was thinking to myself, oh. Do you, do you think that like sushi restaurants would be more popular if they like put like fishing nets and fishing rods <laughs> decor Possibly. In, the, in the dining room? <laughs> but I wanted to tell you, like in my, I'm not a New England expert in mm-hmm. lobster. I don't even know if you call it a, a lobster shack or a seafood shack. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the terminology. I'm just telling you, I have eaten a lot of them in my lifetime though. And I'm gonna. I want to give you what I think yeah. are my like top five things I want to okay. look out for. It has really little to do with the location. Number one, mm-hmm. this is going to be a uh, a real controversial topic here. Okay, and it should be almost up there with the Jollof Rice Wars. <laughs> okay, Connecticut style lobster rolls are the only lobster rolls that matter. All right. To be clear, that's butter or mayo. That is. Served hot with butter. Hot with butter is the Connecticut style. Main style is cold with mayo. Yes. And you're saying the and only split one that top matters, bun. Split top bun. If they serve it in a hot dog bun, straight the fuck out. Just run. Run for the hills. Straight out. So, definitively, there's no debate for you. Warm lobster roll, drawn butter, split top bun, Connecticut style, not even a competition. There's no debate. No debate. I mean, I'm, I will eat one. It's fine. It's my reason I'm prefacing this. This is my preference. And my preference for me cannot be wrong to me. Uh huh. Okay. I can't speak on behalf of anyone else, but my preference for me, David Chang, is saying that the Connecticut style uh-huh. split top 
butter bun toasted, served hot with butter. Sometimes I've even seen it with <laughs> celery salt a little bit. Is like just another ball game. You're being so diplomatic about this. I can't believe you're 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 not. See, you, you normally would say my opinion is fact, but here you're saying my opinion is my own. Moimo, Moimo. <laughs> yes. But, but so you're willing to grant? Are you willing to grant that some people, without being of inferior intellect, might prefer the the one with <laughs> mayonnaise? Well, I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say that because I can only speak on you have my own opinion. <laughs> but my own opinion feels extremely poorly and a very <laughs> poor opinion on anyone else that feels otherwise. <laughs> okay, sure. Got it. So your opinion is Connecticut lob. Only your opinion. Connecticut lobster rolls are better. And only your opinion. People who think those otherwise are not are the words I use to myself <laughs> in my head. Okay. The words I use in my head are more fucking like people. Stupid. So <laughs> fucking stupid. It's so bad. Tastes like blah. But those are only in his head. Only in my head. <laughs> I didn't utter them. It's a thought bubble. <laughs> All right. So number one, Connecticut style is the is the truth. Connecticut style is the truth. Two, they have to have steamers. They have to have steamers at the restaurant. Okay. I know. For me to truly enjoy this experience, mm-hmm. not all of them do. Not to say that I can't have an enjoyable experience, but truly enjoyable is a very different experience. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. I can enjoy all of this stuff. I can enjoy anything, right. really. Right. But a truly enjoyable restaurant. Which is a good point, because if you ever see Dave out in the world eating a mayonnaise lobster roll, just know he can still enjoy it, yeah. but he's not truly, truly enjoying, enjoying it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. don't bother him about it if you see it happening. So steamers? Steamers. Have to be there. Have okay. Be there. Steamers. It's amazing to me. I was eating with some people that had no idea how to fucking eat it. Hmm. Meaning what? What and were they I doing? I wanted to unfriend them immediately. What, what were they doing? How do I eat this? Is what they say. It's like, what the fuck? It's a fucking bivalve. What do you think? Yeah, you eat it. Eat yeah. everything that's not hard. You don't eat the penis thing that's <laughs> hanging off it. It's not like, you know. Uh, the foot. The, I always say the sort of the condom. <laughs> it's the condom thing. Sure, okay. sure, sure. But you dip it in the salty solution and dip in the butter and mm-hmm. then, you know, chef's kiss. You this, <laughs> Chef's kiss is literally how you... You Chef's pull kiss. it out. You pull the shell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is a steamer, is a bowl or uh, uh, an order of steamers Oh, that's like, a, mm, would you ever order that solo? You order that solo? Just crush a bowl of steamers yourself? I was a little upset that I had to share it. Oh, okay. So definitely it's a solo. Endeavor. But also I would prefer to eat this food without anybody knowing that I was there or with anybody else. <laughs> leave because no, I leave no trace. <laughs> again, this is the kind of experience that it's better eating by oneself. I sure. think. Sure. Not share with other people. When you share with other people, you have to eat in a more civilized fashion. Right. And you're not even, you're saying like, even in a share situation, we've already established this early on in, in Moif, like a lobster roll is not a share food. Like everyone gets their own lobster roll. We've established this. This is one of the, the, the I know. tenets. I'm of not even going to address it. <laughs> All right. So two steamers have to be there. What's number three? If they serve the chips in a bag, that's a no go for me too. Oh, it doesn't mean that they have to fucking serve it, make it from scratch. Mm-hmm. It's a simple fact. Mm hmm. Trying to like lie to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just put it in a boat. Okay. Don't put the fucking bag of chips. You know you're ruining it for me. Right. Right. Because it's it's ruining the quality of the chip. No, it's ruining my image that it's tasting better because it's by the water. Oh, you are. 
You mean like even if it's like a bag of Lay's yeah. just poured into a paper boat for you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fair. Yeah. Fair. Okay. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Just with that one extra step of enlightened hospitality. Is that so fucking hard? I agree. It's like if you go to visit Santa and the elf is wearing sneakers instead of pointy green shoes, you've ruined it. Just yeah. a little. It's the little things. <laughs> it is a little thing. But it's a fucking important thing. Is that three? <laughs> That's three. Yes. Okay. I have one like a 3A. Okay. It's important to me that they have four condiments. Okay. Cocktail sauce, mm-hmm. tartar sauce, ketchup, hot sauce. Mm-hmm. All for different fucking applications. You're not touching the ketchup. For fries. For fries, you Okay. Cocktail sauce for bellies, mm-hmm. clams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fish needs the tartar sauce. Mm-hmm. Hot sauce on everything. <laughs> okay. Are you actually hot sauce on everything at, at a seafood shack like this? Yeah. Because you got to change it up at some point. It gets a little bit monotonous. But you, so, okay, that's interesting. Right? One but, bite But you un, put it in the sauce. Hot. You don't okay. put it in everything, right? So that's, that's, it has to have the four. Sometimes they'll have three, but I'm looking for the four, okay? The four horsemen of the apocalypse. That's what I'm looking for, okay? Mm-hmm. Tartar sauce. I'm not expecting it to be made from scratch. Don't make that. Mm-hmm. Tartar sauce is way better when it's shelf-stable from yep. some <laughs> massive conglomeration. Right. Um, ketchup. Right. Again, don't, don't make never it, make your own. Make it, Please, ever. God, don't ever make your own ketchup. Hot sauce of any variety. I don't care. Okay. And cocktail sauce. Yeah. Cocktail sauce for clams. Mm-hmm. I'd almost add 3B to this, <laughs> even though it's like I said top five. A lot of these places will serve just clam strips. Mm-hmm. I'm a whole belly person. Give me the whole fucking clam. But the, do you think the why are, why are some places doing strips versus bellies? I don't know. They're just getting delivered as strips, probably. I want the whole clam. Of course you do. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Let me ask you this though. So that's that one makes sense. That one, like I, I would legitimately can that imagine. One makes sense, and the other ones don't. <laughs> no, right. number three A is the one I'm just I have a question about. You actually, if I can't even imagine encountering a place like this that didn't have the 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 four horsemen. Sometimes it's just two. Two. I know. Yeah, you, I, I agree then. If Sometimes it's just two. Sometimes it's just ketchup and cocktail. Sometimes it's just ketchup and tartar sauce. You need the four horsemen of the apocalypse. All right. And I could be wrong, but again, maybe it could be. This is the real situation here, right? It could not be the actual restaurant's fault, right? Oh, it interesting. It could very much be like this exact situation. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you haven't lived in America long enough. Mm-hmm. You go to a pizza parlor and you're like, well, I don't have fucking Parmesan. Or they don't have chili flakes. <laughs> right, what kind of fucking place doesn't have chili flakes? Right. And right. then you go to the cashier and they're like, yeah, it's right over there. But right. the, it's like hiding behind. <laughs> it's hidden by the napkin dispenser. You know, or, or somebody like, has it on their table and you're like, I don't want to fucking go over there. You know, it's very possible that these places have it. You go in but and like, it's, you know. It's over by that Korean guy hunched over the trash can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's a place that I can't find. I like it to be centrally located. Fair, fair. Okay. Or at least every single table needs its own set. Something. Yeah. Like All right. barbecue house. I accept 3A then. All of this is being told by somebody that has <laughs> been to a lot. I, I've been uh, around probably, I would say, 50 to 60 times. Which, uh, that's, again, that's like, respectable. If I was like a deadhead or fishhead, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> you're, you're not even you're a white belt. <laughs> you're, <all> right? <laughs> No, I think 60, 50 you to 60. You don't even like Dark Star, dude. 50, don't, I don't even get that reference. You, <laughs> you lost me. I'm, I'm a white belt. 
50 to 60 times is respectable. I think you're allowed to have a, a, fi- a top five list of uh, uh, good signs. Okay. Fourth one, it has to have fried haddock. Haddock not specifically. Sandwich, haddock bites. I don't want to fillet a fish. Oh, haddock bites. Yeah, haddock bites. Now, these are, these you think are, what, what, how often are fried haddock bites? Again, I don't even know if this is like local. Thing. I have no idea. It could be <laughs> caught off fucking the, you know, yeah, you know, Brittany. I don't fucking know. Right. But I want to eat fish bites. Okay. The, the, the 4B, 4A to haddock, okay. it is not a knock on anybody if they're also ordering chicken fingers. <laughs> Okay. What percentage of the time are you? Uh, chicken fingers are like the 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 nod to the non seafood people. It's on every menu, right? For these no places, problem. no problem there. Okay, I love it. <laughs> I may are or may these, not order it all the fucking time. Are these? <laughs> okay, I'm just like this order of yours is fucking wild. <laughs> Fifth, my top five with alternates to each number. <laughs> um, the bisque situation. I'm mm. not, this is not a summer thing. I don't eat lobster bisque or clam chowder in the summer. This is more of a winter thing. I see that. Right? I, if I I'm going to eat a bisque or chowder, there is a, this is like really not a knock on anyone. This is just like a select few people. This is, you know, it's like conversation for MVP. There's really only like two or three people. It's like Jokic and Antetokounmpo and, you know, maybe like another person, but it's really like those two. Right. There's very few places that serve a Rhode Island clam chowder. So, mm, is that the red? No, that's the bullshit Manhattan clam chowder. Okay, that's Manhattan. That's minestrone with clam chunks. <laughs> clam chunks in it. Okay. New England is the, everyone knows. Rue, yes, delicious. But. What is Rhode Island? Rhode Island oh, is, is it the broth? best. It is the one clam chowder to rule them all. Uh-huh. It is very similar to the Japanese mm. hama. And uh, it's like. You know, Jap- is, you know, it's with dashi, and it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of my favorite soups, the Japanese version. There's a couple versions of that, depending on the clam and the season. But the Rhode Island clam chowder has never gotten the fucking love. We, ha- we had a version of that at Wyo. Uh-huh. It was fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'm remembering now, yep. But there are very few places that serve a Rhode Island clam chowder. And, and this is not just limited to a restaurant, a place that is like a lobster shack. Any place that serves a Rhode Island clam chowder should be a James Beard American Classics. Because <laughs> they're preserving something that is delicious. Yeah. It needs fucking attention and love. It's not, it's so fucking good. And yeah. it's something you can only make with like really good clams. You can't make it with the bottle clam juice and cam clams. Nothing to hide behind. Nothing to hide behind. Yeah. It's also the only, it's, it's comes from our tiniest state. <laughs> they don't get a lot of things named after them. That's okay. So what is your... Those are your f- five signs of a viable... For me, personally, for <laughs> what I'm looking for. What is your one-man... Is your one-man order all of that? <laughs> one-man order is a lobster roll. Now, if they have a main lobster-style main lobster roll, mm-hmm. I'm going to get a, the twin lobster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tails. Forgoing the lobster roll. So that's just a rule. Like, if it's a main style, mm-hmm. all right. I'm going to pass like it's like an eating option on an airplane. Oh, I'll, I'll have the chicken instead of the beef. <laughs> sure. Sure. I'm sure. getting the twin lobsters. Like usually they're on pound each. <laughs> okay. And you have to get some kind of fried thing. All right. Because the reason why you get a fried thing is not really for the fried seafood itself. It's for the basket of fries that comes with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Very mm-hmm. fucking important. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to, if you're going to get a side of fries, 
Might as well get some fried seafood in there too. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Because if you, here's another thing. If you order two fried seafood things, that's equivalent of one side of French fries, sometimes more. So you really get your money's worth. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. So usually it's some kind of fried clam or haddock type of thing. Okay. If they have bellies and strips, you get both, right? Because you can deke out some of the people that are like, yeah, hey, you take the strips. Uh-huh. You know, they won't even know the difference. <laughs> uh-huh. And you get an order of steamers. That sounds like a pretty good order. And then a little soup if they've got their Rhode Island chowder yeah. on the menu. I, I, if it's hot outside, who wants to eat a fucking thick bisque? Ugh. <laughs> Can I ask, let me ask you a dumb question that I should know the answer to, just generally here. So the Lobster Shack Seafood Shack is a summer phenomenon. Some are open year round. Okay. When is the ideal, is that the ideal time of year? I'm not an East Coaster to be eating lobster. Is that the season? They say that it's better to eat during cold, cold. That was my question because I thought that like cold water was like the months to be eating seafood. Well, clearly the lobster marketing is owned by the coffee <laughs> lobbyists as well. Right? Okay. So I'm not, I'm not insane that this is definitely some sort of like weird marketing. But I, I don't think it matters that much because the waters are so cold to begin okay. with. Right. Okay. You know, but. For any New Englander, any mass hole, anybody who's like, can't believe this fucking guy is, you know, talking about, I'm promoting it. I'm just saying like my experience, mm-hmm. this is what I feel about what I'm looking for <laughs> and, in a lobster shack. And he'll keep what he feels about you to himself. <laughs> what are your thoughts on lobster? What do you want? I've only ever gone to. See why? I've, because I've only ever gone to, I've experienced this like once on like a trip through Maine or from driving from like New York to Maine. And so I have, I have none, I, I, this is all interesting to me. The one thing that I agree with that I can, I can back up with my own experience is we went to one of these places and I had never understood like the sort of drawn or the butter versus the mayonnaise one. And we went to a shop and I had my first warm lobster roll with butter on a split top bun. And I was like, Oh, why do you eat it the other way? <laughs> why is the other one that's the famous one? This thing's awesome. So like that that's coming from somebody who has like two lobster shacks under their belt. But I was immediately like, I'm going to look like an idiot if I say this out loud. But like this one's way better than the yeah. other one. <laughs> you know what? You know what is better than a lobster roll? Uh, a Connecticut style? A hot crab roll. Oh, my God. <sighs> oh, my God. What is the what kind of what, what, what kind of crab goes into a crab like that crab roll? And the only crab that matters is a blue crab. Oh my god, they make those with blue and, crab. And all these fucking people are like, "Oh, it's a, it's not a real crab. It's like so small." It's because you don't know how to pick crab, motherfucker. <laughs> oh my you god, you don't know how to pick crab. The blue crab is. I would say the mud crab is really the champion of all crabs. I see, but we don't get mud crab. Yeah, that you can't like, get mud but, crabs. But blue crab is. Oh my god, be in Australia. <laughs> we're, we're just like what, what asshole lived in Australia? Whatever animals. Yeah. But blue crabs are the only crab that matter to me. To me, I agree. As long as I'm in North America. No, I'm with you. My daughter's with you, too. I tried to give her Dungeness Crab one time. She's like, where are the blue ones? Ruby knows what's up. I don't know. Um, We didn't get time to talk about Greek pizza. We'll talk about that another day. Give us five stars. Five stars.